You are listening to Pastor Fred Neal III of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you will be challenged today as you listen to a sermon entitled, The Greatest Treasure, recorded on July fifteenth, two 2018. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Fred as he preaches. Well, I got to tell you, I'm really excited about this text tonight. You know, as was mentioned, we're preaching this sermon series through some parables, and we got a great parable uh, here tonight that we're going to talk about. And so um, today I want to turn us to Matthew chapter 13. Today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 13. And as, as you t- kind of turn there in your Bibles and get ready to look at this passage together, I just want to say, I know some of you come here, uh, you're here today because you come to church all the time. It's just what you do. But I know that there's some of you, you're here today and it's sort of out of the ordinary, And maybe that's because somebody invited you and you said, sure, yeah, I'll come check out church with you. Or maybe it's because something's going on in your life, good or bad, and you're just thinking, you know what, maybe I need need to connect to my creator. I I need to be thinking about how God's role in my life maybe needs to change. And if that's you here today, I am so pumped that you're gonna hear this passage right here that we're getting ready to read. So let's look at Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46 together. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. The main idea here that we're going to talk about today, and if you have that message application points sheet out, you want to go ahead and write down the main idea right now. The main idea, the main point of this sermon is this. The kingdom of heaven is worth far more than everything else in life and on earth. The kingdom of heaven is worth far more than everything else in life and on earth. And of course, the the thing that I want to really answer today as we look at this passage together is why. Why is the kingdom of heaven worth far more than everything else in life and on earth? And so that's what we're going to spend most of our time together doing is answering that question. Why? Why is it worth so much? How can you, how can you justify the statement that the kingdom of heaven is worth more than anything else in life? How can we justify the statement that the kingdom of heaven is worth more than anything else on earth? And the answer to that question is, to me, it's absolutely beautiful. It's a fantastic thing to think about. So, but before we answer that question, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that are going on in this passage. First of all, this phrase, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, that phrase occurs 32 times in the book of Matthew. And it occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. It's a phrase that's used solely by Matthew as, a, as a, a gospel writer. He uses it 32 times in his gospel, but it doesn't happen anywhere else in the New Testament. Instead, we see throughout the New Testament and throughout the other three gospels, this phrase, the kingdom of God. And so how does the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, how do they relate to each other? If, we see, if, if Matthew is the only one to use this phrase and yet other, other gospel writers use the phrase the kingdom of God, then we can start to compare the instances in which they use those, those two different phrases. And we see that Matthew simply uses the phrase the kingdom of heaven in place of 
the kingdom of God. And why does Matthew do this? I think the answer from, from what I can tell is fairly simple. Is Matthew was writing, his primary audience that he was writing to was the Jewish people. And the Jewish people didn't like to use the word God. They would often substitute other things instead of using the word, of, word God because out of reverence for his name. And out of fear of breaking the, the commandment to use the Lord's name in vain, they would, they would steer away from using the word God. And so when Matthew's writing to this Jewish audience, he doesn't call it the kingdom of God like some of the other gospel writers do. He calls it the kingdom of heaven. And so my point here is that the two ideas are absolutely synonymous. You'll see the next thing in your map. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous. They are the same thing. And so when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, I'm talking about the kingdom of God. And if we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm going to say today, I'm going to use the phrase uh, the kingdom of heaven because we're in Matthew's gospel. And that's, that's the way he says it. But just understand, I want you to realize from the beginning, we're talking about the same thing. The kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven. Make sense? All right. So we can say that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same thing and that those phrases can be used interchangeably, but what exactly is the kingdom of heaven? What does this interesting phrase mean? Well, there's, there's actually a lot of meaning behind the phrase the kingdom of heaven. It's one of those terms in, in biblical literature that the meaning is, is, is complex, it's deep, it's wide, it, it means a lot of things, but I want to focus on a few things. It, it wouldn't be fair to try to boil it down to just a short definition, but we can focus t- today on some of the things that the kingdom of heaven is. And the first thing that I want to point out is that the, king, that the kingdom of heaven is about the rule of God. Kingdoms are ultimately about rule. When you, think, uh, when you hear about a kingdom, well, at least to me, the first thing I wonder when I hear about a particular kingdom is, well, who's the king? Who's the ruler? If this is a kingdom, whose kingdom is it? Who's in charge? Who's making the decisions? Who's leading the kingdom? And so the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of God, and it's about God's rule. It's about his, his kingship. But we have to kind of understand that there's two parts to this rule. There's the here and now phase of the kingdom of heaven, and there's the yet-to-come phase of the kingdom of heaven. Here and now, God's, God's kingdom exists in the hearts of all who surrender to his rule. Here and now, today, the kingdom of heaven exists in the form of surrendered hearts to Jesus as king. But it will be more fully manifested in the future when Jesus comes and he rules over all of the earth. And so there's this present expression of the kingdom of God, and yet, but it, it always points us to this future expression of the kingdom of God where Jesus will come and sovereignly rule over the whole earth. Right now, he rules in the hearts of those who surrender to him. Right now, he rules in the hearts of those who have trusted in him. Right now, he rules in the hearts who have given their lives to serve and to follow him. One day, he'll rule over the whole earth over all of humanity, over all of the universe. Of course, we know God is sovereign now, meaning he is ruler of everything. 
But in this current phase of his kingdom, he, he allows the opposition to exist. He allows his enemies and those who oppose him to, to still be here and to operate somewhat freely within the human existence. And so for now, there's opposition, but in the future, there will be none. There's coming a day when Jesus will come and he will completely expel all opposition from his kingdom. So we have this present reality and yet this future kingdom yet to come. Like so many things that are revealed about God in scripture, there's this, what, we, what, what theologians sometimes call the now but not yet. The kingdom of heaven is already here, but the kingdom of heaven is still coming. It's already here in the hearts of those who have surrendered to him, but it's, it's going to come in a much more physical and universal sense in the future. But yet today, in, this very, in the very real sense of we get to experience his kingdom in our hearts, we experience that through salvation in Christ. When we receive Jesus by faith, when we admit our need for him, when we look to what he did on the cross and, and ask for his forgiveness, when we say to Jesus, I believe in you and I want you to be my Lord and Savior, then the kingdom of heaven comes into our lives. Jesus' kingdom can come right now into a human heart that is open and ready to surrender to him. And so though he's coming one day, he comes today. You see, the first thing that the kingdom of heaven is, and this is the next thing on your map, the first thing the kingdom of heaven is, is its salvation. The kingdom of heaven is salvation. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to intentionally be not super precise in, in, in some of the things that we say here because I think this parable kind of speaks that way. This parable isn't about necessarily putting together a theological definition of what the kingdom of heaven is, but pointing us to the reality of some of the things that can be experienced when the kingdom of heaven comes into our hearts and into our lives. And so the first thing we see is that the kingdom of heaven is salvation. Jesus kind of tells this very beautifully when he's interacting in John chapter 3 with this guy Nicodemus. This guy Nicodemus comes up and basically says, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be, I want to be one of your followers. And Jesus says that unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless a man is born again, that's a strange way to answer a guy that wants to be one of your followers. Just, well, you're going to have to be born again. Now, we're used to that terminology a little bit, I think, today. We've, we've heard that term to refer to salvation before. But for Nicodemus, this was the first time he had ever heard of anything like being born again. Imagine if you, if you wanted to, to uh, get a new job somewhere and you went to the boss of that company and you said, hey, I want to come work for your company. And he said, well, you have to be born again. You'd be kind of confused, like, what do you mean I have to be born again? But I have, you know, here's my resume. Can we just take a look at that? I don't want to go back and be born again. Or if you wanted to join a, a sports team and you said, coach, I want to come play for you. And he said, you got to be born again. That wouldn't, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. Are you asking a girl or a guy out on a first date? You say, hey, I'd like to take you out to dinner. And they say, but first you need to be born again. That's kind of a strange way to answer somebody that wants to 
get down with your team and be a part of what you're doing. But that's how Jesus responds to Nicodemus, and, and this creates confusion for Nicodemus. Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? Be born again? How am I supposed to do that? Surely a man cannot go back into his mother's womb. And Jesus says, no, no, that's far enough. Let's not talk about that. To be born again means this. And then he responds to him in John 3, verse 16. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, Jesus goes on to say, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Jesus says this is what it means to be born again. He says, God sent his son into the world, and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's what it means to be born again, to receive salvation. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he can't even see the kingdom of God. And to be born again is to believe in Jesus. You see, the the kingdom of heaven is salvation. This is what it means to be born again, to believe in him, to trust in him, to trust in him, to be your savior, to accept him as the Lord of your life. This is salvation, and salvation brings the kingdom of heaven into us where we experience it now as salvation, this this idea of rebirth, a new life, a new beginning. We start over. Physically, we still look the same, but spiritually, something brand new exists now. We're born again. One of the brothers here was just telling me today that yesterday was his, his 10th birthday of his rebirth. And I thought that was beautiful. Celebrating 10 years of being born again. That's salvation. And Jesus says, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. Indeed, the kingdom of heaven is salvation. It's this idea of, of having our sin taken away. It's this idea of, of our relationship with our creator and our God being restored, being reconciled to him, the Bible tells us. It's this idea of being adopted into his family. The kingdom of heaven is salvation. That's, that's what it means, The kingdom of heaven is more than salvation, but for us right now, it is first and foremost salvation. Our entrance into this kingdom and our experience with the kingdom here on earth is is our salvation. Because at salvation, God's spiritual rule over our hearts and our lives begins. If a kingdom is about rule, then for us to experience the kingdom... We have to surrender to the king. And that's what happens at salvation. That's what happens when you're born again. The the rule of God over our lives becomes personal. It goes beyond his sovereign rule over all creation. And now he is now intimately involved in our lives through salvation. And so if we go back to our text, Jesus' parable about the kingdom. Let me read it again. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up, 
Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. We could actually read this. Another way to to think about this would be to say, salvation is like a treasure hidden in a field. Salvation is like a pearl of of such great value that the man who found it went and sold all that he had to buy that one pearl. We could say that because the kingdom of heaven is salvation, but as soon as we do that, here's my concern. My concern would be that we begin to think about the kingdom of heaven as only that initial experience of salvation. It's okay to think of it that way. We can think of the kingdom of heaven as salvation. We should think of the kingdom of heaven as salvation, but let's not narrow down what the kingdom of heaven is just simply to that that concept of this initial experience with Jesus. What I'm talking about is, is if when I say your salvation, you think of that time you trusted in Jesus. When I say your salvation, if you think of that moment that your sins were forgiven. Sometimes we... Because salvation is another one of those terms that has this big, broad, powerful meaning, but sometimes we, we kind of boil it down to just one or two things that we think about. And I think a lot of times when we think of salvation, we think about being forgiven of our sins, and then someday I go to heaven. And if that's what you think of when you think of salvation, let's not stop at saying the kingdom of heaven is salvation, because the kingdom of heaven is more than having your sins forgiven, and one day you go to heaven. It is that the kingdom of heaven is having your sins forgiven, and it is one day you go to heaven, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more than just, okay, my sins are taken away, and now one day I know I get to go to heaven. It's so much more than that. The kingdom of heaven for us begins with salvation, but there's an ongoing experience of that moment of salvation too. It is an ongoing experience of what it means to be forgiven and what it means to be saved. It's kind of like when you get married. Those of you who have been married might, might know what I'm talking about. When you get married, there's a moment. There's a moment during your wedding ceremony when you officially become married. Now, you could, I guess we could debate about when exactly that moment is. I, I, I would throw this out there. I would say that moment is when there's a person in authority... A lot of times it's a pastor. Sometimes it might be a justice of peace or however, however you got married. There's a moment in that ceremony when that, that pastor or whoever, that, that person with authority says, from this moment on, I pronounce that you are husband and wife. And somehow at that moment you're married because the authority has been delegated to that person and that person says, now you're married. From that moment on, you are a husband and wife. But getting married is so much more than that moment, isn't it? I don't even remember that moment. (laughs) I stood on this stage, better get this right, 13 and a half years ago, I think. I stood on this stage, and, and Kim and I said our vows and uh, Pastor Burt, who was the founding pastor of this church, he, uh, he was here at that time. And he pronounced that we were husband and wife. And a lot of cool things happened and, uh, during that ceremony. It was, it's, a, it's a good memory. But you know what? That wasn't, that's not my marriage. 
My marriage isn't just that moment, it's, and, and neither is yours. It's all about the moments that happen after that. It's about the rest of your lives together. It's about the good times and the bad times. It's about the relationship that began in that moment now as husband and wife and goes on until death do us part. And that's how it is with salvation. It's not just about that, 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 that one moment where you trusted in Jesus Man, incredible things happened in that way, way better things happened in that moment when you trusted Jesus than has ever happened during any wedding ceremony. Trust me. When you, that moment when Jesus Christ came into your life and you were born again, your sins were forgiven, you're reconciled to God, you become part of the family of God, you're, 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 you have eternity with him to look forward to. A lot of amazing things happen right then in that moment. But that wasn't it. That was just the beginning of a relationship. When I think about Kim and I's marriage the, the, the past you know, 13 and a half years, I was hoping I'm getting that right. Gosh, I'm be in trouble. The best part of our marriage isn't when we stood here. The best part of our marriage is a lot of the stuff that's happened since then. It's the, both the good and the bad. The, the, one of the amazing things about being married isn't just all the fun that you have together and all the good memories you have together. It's that you have a partner. You have somebody with you when you're going through tough times. And so I look back on, on, on those, those few years and I think it wasn't just that, that initial day. It was, it was all of the stuff that's happened since then. Salvation is like that. The kingdom of heaven is like that. Because the next thing that we see the kingdom of heaven is, and this is on your map, is the kingdom of heaven is life with Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is life with Jesus. The good times and the tough times. The kingdom of heaven is salvation, but that salvation is just your entrance into this amazing new relationship where you get to live with Jesus. You get the creator the sustainer of the universe. Now you're in relationship with him. He's your best friend. He's your, he's your God. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. He's the King. He's everything. And you get to do life with him. And you get to do life with him every single day. Now that you have received salvation, life is far from just waiting until that next phase of the kingdom, which, which is heaven. It's so much more than I, I got my sins forgiven now. I guess I just hang in here. I just ride this thing out. I just, just wait around until heaven. It's so much more than that. It's the fact that you get to live with Jesus every single day. You now have a completely different and far better way of living on earth than you had before salvation. The kingdom of heaven is life with Jesus. Too many Christians treat the kingdom of heaven as something we'll be part of someday. I'm going to be a part of the kingdom someday. We think, I got saved. Now, now I'm, just, I'm just waiting for the, the end. I'm just waiting until Jesus comes back or till I go to see him. Don't let that be you. Don't let that be your thinking. You get Jesus right now. We have Jesus every day, not just on Sundays, not just someday, but today, tomorrow, and every day. We get life with Jesus. When you trusted in Christ, 
the Spirit of God came into you and caused you to be born again into a new life, a new way of living, and that way of living is with Jesus. He's with you wherever you go. He's working in your life to bring you closer to him, and he's working through you to bring others closer to himself. Man, life with Jesus is an incredible journey. It's an incredible journey. A couple weeks ago when we were in Newark, New Jersey, I'll tell you, that was that was some of the most fun I've had living with Jesus in a long time. It was amazing to see God work. It was so cool to see the way God was doing, do, just doing something different in everybody's life. 58 people on the trip, and God cares about every single one of them, and he's working in their lives. And we're in Newark, New Jersey, which is just a sea of people. I mean, you, didn't, you never felt so small in your life. You're just like, nobody even knows I'm here. There's just masses and ma- millions of people within eyesight. I mean, you can see Manhattan uh, from the place we were staying, and there's just people everywhere. And here's Jesus. He's just, he's just working in these students' lives, and he's working in the adults' lives, and he's, he's doing some amazing things. That's life with Jesus. But it's not just when we go on mission trips. It's right here. It's right now. It's today. It's tomorrow. And it's every day. We get to live on this crazy adventure of life with him. And we get to, we get to wake up every day and know that he's there. And we get to go to bed every night and know that he's going to be there tomorrow and that he's watching over us, that he'll never leave us. Man, the kingdom of heaven is life with Jesus. And it's exciting and it's scary and it's, it's full of good times and it's full of bad times, man. Some of the things, you know, I think it was Thursday on the, on the Newark trip. Thursday was just one of the craziest days I've been a part of in a long time because we got up that morning and, and every, every morning we get up and, um, you know, I had, a lo- I had some responsibility for seeing um, kind of overseeing what the team was going to do each day. And so I knew if I didn't get up and get ready, there was going to be 57 people staring at me, wondering what to do. And so I tried to get up and, and get ahead of everybody and, and get ready for the day. And, and just from the very beginning of that day, God was doing some amazing things. We had our devotions after morning in the, brec- uh, uh, in the morning right after breakfast. And we had been building up to this each day in our devotions where we had been challenging the students and the adults, by the way. We've been challenging everybody to share the gospel with their, with their friends. And we had been kind of building up to this. We started on Monday by telling them, hey, we're going to start praying for our friends. I want you to pick a couple of friends, write their names down. We're going to pray for them all week. And on Monday, right then and there, we started praying for them, which was beautiful. I'm looking around this room of teenagers asking God to save their lost friends. And it was, it was powerful. It was unbelievable. And then the next day we talked about caring for our friends and, and how to reach out to them with the love of Christ. Then we talked about sharing the gospel. And then Thursday was dare day. It was, uh, we're going we're gonna to do it right now. And I said, I want, you guys, I want you guys to get out your phone and I want you to reach out to your friends right now. And all across the room, students, are, they're texting their friends or I don't know, snapping their friends or whatever they do. And they're, they're, they're talking to them about Jesus. And I said, all right, guys, if, you wanna, if this is what you want to do with your life, if you want to reach your generation and you want to share the gospel with everybody that, that God gives you the ability to, here's what we're going to do. And we had this big banner that had the gospel message on it that we had been pointing, to, pointing them to every day. And I said, I want you to come up front, and I just want you to sign your name on here as a declaration saying, I'm going to tell my generation about Jesus. 
And one after another, those kids came up, and they're signing their names on there. And that's how we start our day. And it was powerful, man. And I'm, I'm tearing up because I'm, like, just seeing God move. And then after that, we left that room, and all hell broke loose. Oh, man, it was crazy. We're, I mean, I, 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 wish, I, could, I wish I could tell you the whole day because it was crazy. But I've never felt God watching over me more than that day. I mean, long story short, we went, we, we were staying in this, um, it's an old school that we were staying. We're staying in this old school, right? And um, it's real safe in there. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice brick building and there's a gate around it. Nobody comes in or out. It's not supposed to be there and everything. So everybody's, it's cool in there and it's safe. But we're in the middle of Newark, New Jersey, which is like a pretty, it's a pretty wild, wild place to be, Right. And so uh, I go up to the store with some of the other adults to pick up some supplies for the day, and we're coming back, and um, we see this guy and this girl screaming at each other right in front of the building that we're staying in. And I looked at the ladies there with me. I was like, well, I hope that stops before we get over there. I'm thinking I don't want to be a part of this. And the closer we get, the more intense it gets. And then all of a sudden she rams him with uh, the baby stroller that she was holding on to, which had their baby in it. And they just start going crazy. They start attacking each other. He grabs the baby. She's clawing at him. They're fighting over the baby. And I'm like, this is not how I wanted this to go. So um, we run over there and, and try to, you know, try to get them to, to settle down and everything. And I noticed something as this playing out because this, this would go on for hours, this couple. They were just... They would just pace around the block, fighting each other, screaming at each other. And uh, I noticed something that everybody else in the community was doing. They were going inside and closing their doors, and they didn't want anything to do with this. And I noticed the people that we were there serving with uh, at the ministry that we're with were doing the same thing. And it started to dawn on me, there's a reason why nobody else is getting involved in this. This is the kind of situation you don't want to get. But, but Pastor Scott and I were like, but, you know, whatever. I don't know what's going to happen, but there's no way we're going to walk away from this and just let this thing play out while we go in there and, and eat donuts and act like this isn't happening. So we just, we just insert ourselves into this. We make sure all the students are inside and safe because I know there's some parents who sent their kids. Everybody's inside and, and they're safe, right? They're singing Kumbaya and it's going, that's cool. And then it gets to the point where, um, and, and this, like I said, it went on for a couple hours, and so we went back inside, and then we'd see them. We're like, oh, they're still going at it. And then they started uh, hitting each other. And uh, so Scott and I go flying out, and uh, I call the cops. And long story short, the cops never come. <laughs> there was, I was like, there's people hitting each other. There's a baby involved. I said, everything I thought I needed to say to make them think this was urgent, they didn't even come. And literally, the neighbors are inside with their doors closed. And I'm thinking, this is probably not a good situation to be in the middle of. And yet God was just right there, just watching over us. And we got to care for this young lady. Eventually, the, the dude left for a little while, and we got to kind of get one-on-one with her and just care for her and the baby um, who was there in the middle of all this. And, and, and then, um, well, all that to say, okay, it, it keeps going on and on for quite a while. All that to say, life with Jesus is an adventure, I mean, you just don't know what God might give you the opportunity to do. And there's good days and there's bad days. And he's there in 
both of them. And you never have to worry whether or not he's going to be there with you. You never have to worry whether or not he cares about you because he always does. You never have to worry if he's paying attention or if he's lost track of you. He never does that. Life with Jesus is this incredible adventure of, of living life with the creator of the universe. Think about how creative you have to be to create the universe. That's Jesus. He's my best friend. He's my savior. He's the Lord of my life. And every day I'm with him. I get to spend time with him. The kingdom of heaven is life with Jesus. And even though our relationship with him is still strained by the presence of sin, both in our lives and in this world, this life with Jesus is still far better than anything else in the world. Life with Jesus, hear me on this. Test this hypothesis and see if you find it to be true. Life with Jesus is far better than anything else in the world. Even our worst days with Jesus are still far better than our best days without him in our lives. I think back to some of my days before Jesus, and I think of some of my days since Jesus, and I, I can tell you my worst days with Jesus. And I just, what I mean by that is not when Jesus was ever mistreating me, but the days where, where life just wasn't going the way I wanted it to, and, and life was hurting, and life was difficult, as long as Jesus was there. It was better than any day I ever had before him. And I'm not the only one who thinks that. I want to tell you what Paul's response was to gaining life with Jesus. Let's get back into the scriptures. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 3. This is Paul's response to gaining life with Jesus. He says, but whatever gain I had, talking about everything he gained before he he began to follow Jesus, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, I lost everything for the sake of knowing Christ because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Surpassing worth means when I gained Jesus, but I lost everything else, I was better off. Paul says, I had a lot of stuff. I had, I had status in this world. I was like a Jewish, I was the man uh, among my fellow Jews. And I got, he probably got paid well, and he probably had a good life. He had a lot of things that other people didn't have. And he says, I lost all of that, and I was better off because I gained Jesus. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying the kingdom of heaven is life with Christ, and that's 
worth far more than everything else in life and on earth. Remember our main point? The kingdom of heaven is worth far more than everything else in life and on earth. There isn't anything that you could gain. There isn't anything that you could have. There isn't anything that you could experience that you could hold up to Jesus and say it's better. He's better than all of it. He's better than accomplishing all of your dreams and your goals. He's better than attaining all of the world's wealth. He's better than having all perfect relationships in your life. He's better than anything on this earth. So when we enter the kingdom of heaven by faith in Jesus, we get salvation. That's the forgiveness of our sins. It's rebirth. It's reconciliation with God. It's all those things we're talking about. We get life with Jesus. This is getting really good. We get salvation. We get the forgiveness of our sins. And we get life with Jesus. What an incredible deal. I'm starting to understand why this guy found this treasure. Why Jesus would say it's like this guy who found this treasure. And he went and he buried it. And he sold everything he had so that he could go and buy that field. I'm starting to see why Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl who this guy who used to like to collect things like pearls, things that were very precious and valuable. But one time he found this really, really nice pearl and he wanted it so bad that he went and he got rid of all of his other pearls and all of his other gems and everything else he had so that he could buy that one pearl. Because the kingdom of heaven is salvation and the kingdom of heaven is life with Jesus. But that's not all. That would be enough. I'm sold already. I'm in. What do I have to sell? What do I have to give up? What do I have to get rid of? What do I have to change? What do I have to do to get Jesus? What do I have to do to gain this treasure? What do I have to do to get this great pearl? I'm in. But that's not even it. This is starting to feel like an infomercial, isn't it? That's not it. We're going to throw in some more. We get salvation, we get life with Jesus, but listen to this. I want to read Philippians 1, verses 21 through 23. This is in the same letter that I just read some of Paul's words from. He says, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which shall I choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Paul's saying, I've gained salvation, I've gained life with Jesus, and man, it's good. I gave up everything I had because this is better, but there's something that even, is even better that awaits me one day, Paul says. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, he says. The third and final thing you see on your map there, the kingdom of heaven is eternal glory. The kingdom of heaven is eternal glory. Think about this for a minute. We don't just get salvation, the forgiveness of our sins and reconciliation. We don't just get to live the rest of our lives here on earth with Jesus. We get eternal glory. We get eternity with Jesus forever. The day you die as a Christian, things get exponentially better for you. 
this is as bad as your life's going to get. And when I say this, I mean your existence here on earth. It might, I mean, I don't mean like what you're going through tonight, because it might get worse tomorrow. Things could, things could happen. I'm not prophesying, nobody panic. Things could get worse tomorrow. But here, this life here on earth, guys, this is as bad as it gets. And then it gets way better. Then it gets like crazy better. Everything that bothers us here on earth, everything that hurts us here on earth, everything that makes us cry and makes us sad and makes us struggle and makes us frustrated will be done away with and we get eternity with Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is eternal glory. Let me read 1 Corinthians 15. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I I read it at almost every funeral. I I love the victory of standing beside a grave that a loved one is being lowered into. That is one of the the most painful, darkest, most difficult moments in anybody's life. To say final goodbye to a loved one. And I love to point people to this passage of Scripture right here. Paul says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. Think about this for a minute. The dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on imperishable immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is, in, is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, you're, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Paul points to Corinthian believers to this reality of eternal glory. He says, even at our worst, even at the moment of death, when our human weakness is on display more than at any other time, because when you die, there is nothing your flesh can do about it. Nothing that human beings can do about it. When we are at our worst, when we are at our weakest, when we have been overcome by death, then is our victory. Then is our victory. Paul says the perishable becomes imperishable. The mortal becomes immortal. God will transform every believer into of this body that cannot perish and cannot be destroyed, and we will inherit eternal glory with 
Jesus. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom of heaven. It is salvation. It is life with Jesus. And most of all, it's eternal glory. And so Jesus tells them a parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered it up. And then in his joy, he went and sells all that he has. And he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. What Jesus is telling us is that the kingdom of heaven is worth more than anything else in life and on earth. What Jesus wants us to know is that the kingdom of heaven is of far greater worth than anything else. Anything else. It's so valuable that this man went and sold everything he had. He gave up everything he had in joy, in his joy. He was glad to do it. He, was, he couldn't wait to do it. He was, he was, man, this guy, day and night, he's working. He's, he's, he's listening on Craigslist and Let Go and Facebook Marketplace. And I got to get rid of all this stuff so I can get enough money to go and buy that. And, and rightfully so, rightfully so, he did the right thing. But here's, here's the reality is that the kingdom, of, the kingdom of heaven cannot be bought by selling all of your stuff. The kingdom of heaven cannot be bought by exchanging all of your goods and your material things for another material thing. The kingdom of heaven is free. The kingdom of heaven is free because Jesus already paid the price. The price that is demanded for the kingdom of heaven to be given to mortals was the blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who came and died on the cross for for our sins. And so here's Jesus. He's talking about himself, really. When he says the kingdom of heaven... Jesus would say in another passage that eternal life is knowing Jesus. If you know Jesus, you have it. In fact, if you have Jesus, there's a saying that I like, if you have Jesus, you have everything. And if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. At the end of time and at the end of every human being's life, it's really going to come down to that one simple thing. If, if you have Jesus, you got it all. If you have Jesus, enter into eternal glory. If you don't have Jesus, it really doesn't matter what else you had. It really doesn't matter what you did with your life. It really doesn't matter how much wealth you have. It really doesn't matter how much the people around you loved you or hated you. It, it just doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If you, don't, if you don't have Jesus in that moment, you don't have anything The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Those two guys that Jesus talked about in the parable, they, they understood that, right? They understood that there was something worth giving up everything else to get. And that's what Jesus wants us to know. So it really comes down to this simple issue of whether or not you've received Jesus. 
Boy, that's kind of predictable, right? It really comes down to the simplicity of do you know Jesus? Is he your savior? Have you trusted in him, believed in him, as he said in John 3, 16? Put your faith in him. Have you accepted him as your savior and made him the Lord of your life? However you want to think of it, however you want to say it, all that's what we're talking about. Have you been born again? Do you have Jesus? Today would be a good day to receive him. Today would be a great day to receive him. Because until you have him, you don't have anything. And once you have him, man, you've got it all. You've got salvation. You've got life with Jesus here on earth. And then when you die, it gets way better. You get eternity with him. If you've already done that today, I want to come back to those of you who haven't done that yet. But if you've already done that today, let me just talk to you for a quick moment. You know, we tend to lose sight of the the truth of what we just talked about here today. We tend to lose sight of the, the truth of this parable, these parables that Jesus told here, that he, ultimately he's worth more than anything else in life. We get sucked into this world a little bit and the mentality of this world and the way that this world lives. And we start to, we start to get enamored by the things of this world. Whether they're physical or immaterial things or whatever, it doesn't really matter. What, we start to think of things as being more valuable to, than Jesus, don't we? I know I do. I, 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 I let my focus drift from the treasure, the greatest treasure, to, to little treasures, little things that are scattered about this world, things that I want to have or things that I want to do, or things that I want to see. And I want to call us back today to remember that there is absolutely nothing in this world worth more than Jesus. And when I say Jesus, I mean life with him. I mean salvation in him. I mean eternity with him. He is the treasure. He is the pearl of great value. And we ought to be willing to put aside and to to get rid of anything else that keeps us from getting him. Chances are there was a day, if you're a Christian, there's, there was a day when, when you would have given up anything to have Christ. Maybe not so much today. Maybe you think I'm, I'm pretty happy knowing I'm saved. I'm pretty happy knowing that I'm going to heaven. But I kind of like some of the things around me. And today God's calling you back to focus on him. God's calling you back to valuing him. And then... Let's go back to those of you who need to receive Jesus for salvation. Is this the time? Is this the time in your life when you're ready to say, I'll give it all up for Jesus? I'll give it all up to have him. I'm looking at this treasure and I'm going, it's better than anything else I'm going to get. I'm looking at this pearl and I'm going, this is better than anything I've ever seen. And whatever I have to do to get it, I'm ready to do that now. If that's you, I want to call you to respond. I want to call you to respond to Jesus and to come to him for salvation, to come to him to experience life with him, to come to him today to eventually have eternity with him. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, 
Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.